You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Could you smell it when you came in the room today? I made some fresh popcorn this morning. We'll get to that in just a minute. So listen, if you're at home watching with us online, we are really, really glad you're tuning in with us. We can't wait to see you next week uh, if you're going to choose to come out with us. So we will have full kids programming, and uh, we're really excited about that next week. And uh, if you are at home, to get the full effect of today's message, you may want to run to your cabinet, grab some microwave popcorn, pop it right now, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the message. So if you've been visiting with us online or if you're just tuning in for some reason, we've gone for the last three weeks through this saying that Jesus has, and he uses the saying so often, he uses it in three different contexts, uh, Matthew chapter 5, Luke 14, and Mark 9, and in all three contexts, he basically says the same thing. Here's the phrase, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? So we decided to go through these three sayings of Jesus, and this week, we're going to look at a guy named Paul. If you want to open up a Bible to Colossians chapter 4 and hold there, we'll get to there a little bit later in the message. And uh, we're just going to look at the application now of really those three things. So really, you could have attached this message at the end of each of those last three messages. This is kind of the, so now what do I do with that? The whole idea here between, about what Jesus is saying is, Sodium chloride, which is salt, you really can't unsalt it. It just is sodium chloride. Jesus, what he's saying here is he's kind of getting into the context of what if salt no longer was salt? Well, what would that mean? Well, in Jesus' days, salt had many different uh, benefits. They would use salt to clean a baby when a baby was born, like I don't know if we still do that anywhere in the world today, but that's what they did in Jesus' day. Salt was often used to heal if there was a wound or to clean a wound if you were hurt, say, at work or, or, or in a war or a battle of some sort. Salt would be used to preserve meat. So they would pack meats with it, but then they'd take it out and wash it off the water and have like a brine. Then it would also flavor the meats. And uh, salt just has many, many, many different purposes. And Jesus is saying, look, if salt is no longer salt, then what good is it? It doesn't serve any purpose. And that's the ultimate point of what he's saying. In other words, be salt, don't lose your purpose in life. So what I thought I would do for this sermon is um, there are so many of you that I just have gotten to know over the years. Sometimes you don't even know that I know your story. Somebody comes to me and tells me your story and I just get to smile like a proud papa and I just get to go, I know that person. I know they did that. And so what I thought what I would do today is celebrate some Kingsway stories of people I know who are doing their best to be salt. And here's my hope and prayer. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I'm hoping some illustration I use today is going to strike you just right. It's going to hit you and just unique way that's going to be related to what you're dealing with. That's my prayer. God, take these illustrations of ways that Kingsway people have tried to be the salts and help it to stick. So I'm going to go through some of these throughout the message. Here's just some examples of people I know at Kingsway who are being salt. I know one Kingsway long-term member who is, uh, owns a company in our community, and they've decided that a percentage of everything they make is going to go right back into the community. Some of you will know who I'm referring. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'm very proud to call this person my friend, and I've gotten to see some of the things they've invested in through their company. They've just, through their company, decided to do this. Why? Because they want to be a salt. I have another friend here um, 
who uh, he owns a business in town and um, doing his job frustrated somebody who lived next to the job where he was doing the job. I know that may be confusing, but I'm trying to leave out enough details. And this person complained. Now, the business owner who goes to our church didn't have to really do anything at all about it. They didn't do anything wrong, but instead decided that protecting the business's name and thereby protecting God's name was more important. So they went above and beyond on their own in order to serve and meet the need and make happy, not the customer, the neighbor of the customer. I don't know if that makes any sense. And I thought, at the end of it all, I am so proud to call this person one of my members. I know another person in our church who owns a business and did some work, actually, I'll say, in my neighborhood, and this email went out that I was a part of, I didn't even know, and this person in my neighborhood who was celebrating somebody in our church, what a great job they did, how they went above and beyond to get it done, how they were clear and communicative and honest and built trust, and I'm sitting here reading this email, going out to my neighborhood and thinking, I'm so proud to call this person. In fact, when I saw him the next time, I said, hey man, I just want to tell you how much you were celebrated privately. Well done. Way to be salt in our community. Now, I would hope that all businesses would be that way, but I'm proud to say that Kingsway people are living their lives that way. Just a couple of other quick illustrations. One of our members here um, worked in a position of leadership, <coughs> excuse me, in, in, uh, in a local business and had an employee who just continued to struggle and not get the job done. And part of the reason I was so proud of this person in this situation is because I remember they were calling me and struggling with, how do I do this? How do I care for them? How do I honor them? How do I help them? And yet their job performance isn't changing. It's not getting any better. We've been working on it for a long time. I know we're now at that place where we have to do something about it. How do I help? And first of all, I was so proud of this person who goes to our church who wanted to be a salt, that they wanted to say, what does it mean to actually live out this principle of Jesus, of trying to be good and kind? And the way that he approached it, I mean, I don't know that you could have wrote it better. Now, where are you being challenged by God to be a salt in your world? Here's the thing. Let me just put some practical handles on this. Being salt often means doing the exact opposite of what you see going on around you. The exact opposite. How do I know? Well, because this world is set up around certain principles. And while those principles can at times touch on truth, by and large, when we look at the gospel, the gospel is different. Jesus is different. I'm going to unpack that a little. How many of you like potato chips? All right, I love potato chips. What's your favorite kind? Barb? So, what'd you say over there? Classic Lay's. Classic Lay's, a boring potato chip, but good, nonetheless. <laughs> good, nonetheless. Somebody said salt and vinegar. You got a barbecue fan? Any cream, sour cream and onion? <clears throat> a few of you? Mine would be salt and vinegar. It totally would be. And I, I, I cannot just eat one. Now, the thing about salt and vinegar, and I know a lot of people hate these things. That's fine. Whatever. You could be wrong. And um, <laughs> the thing about salt and vinegar chips is you get, after about five chips, you can't taste anything anymore. And this particular brand, my favorite brand is actually the, the, the Boulder Canyon ones, but I couldn't find them anywhere around here. But um, the, if you get a good salt and vinegar chip, you get to like 10 chips or 15 chips, you literally lose the top layer of skin on your tongue. If you keep going, which I have been known to do, uh, you will literally not be able to taste your next meal. I mean, it is pretty bad. And for some reason, I keep doing this. And what's the little message behind that? A little bit of salt is what? 
good. Too much salt is what? Bad, right? It's like the worst commercial ever. <laughs> good, bad. Yes, you get it, kids. But you know exactly what that means, right? Have you ever had somebody prepare a meal for you and it was so salty? You thought to yourself, oh my goodness. And you're asking for a glass of water because you don't want to offend them. And you're like, how am I going to choke this down? On the other extreme, have you ever had a meal that had no salt on it at all? And you thought to yourself, how am I going to choke this down? There is the message. I mean, if you could just go home right now, you just go ahead and turn us off. Don't do that. But you could tune us out today and you would get the root of everything I want you to see. When Jesus says, be salt, but don't lose your saltiness, the emphasis he's trying to say is, you've got to have effectiveness and life in this world because if you don't, your life will have no meaning, no value. But don't overdo it. Don't go too far the other way. Salt is only good in the ways that salt is good. How exactly do I go about doing that? Let me give you a handle real quick. Being salt often means personal sacrifice with the hope of building a bridge that others can walk across to Jesus. Whatever your situation, whatever your story, the ultimate hope is to build a bridge that others can walk across to come to Jesus. You know what this would look like? It's just, just quick. This would mean when others are spewing hate, you would spew love. When life is so difficult and tragic and hard and painful, and everybody would give you a free pass to be miserable or grumpy, you would actually show joy. When trials and tribulations are raising in your life and the storm is raging, you would actually have peace. When you would have the right, justifiably by everybody else, to bite somebody's head off or to be frustrated at attack, you would actually be patient. Did you know the word patience actually is the word forbearance? It actually, we translate it in some English translations, long-suffering. Meaning, you're going into life planning bad stuff going to happen. It's going to hurt. And I'm going to have to suffer for a long time in order to be salt. Now, if you're visiting with us today, this may sound totally upside down to you. And I hope that it does because this is the message of Jesus. Jesus' message isn't get what you can Jesus' message isn't pay back what others have given you. Jesus' message is the exact opposite. It is an upside-down message. Be salty, but not in the way the world is salty. Be salty in that you're useful, preserving of life, and helpful in this world. And it's hard. I'm just going to be straight up. It is hard. You will probably get it wrong as often as you get it right, but the goal is that you're trying to get it. Did you know that the New Testament writers... Struggle with this? Hard. Like, you can read. Read the book of Acts sometimes. You don't always know. It's like, are they, get, are they doing it right or are they not? They are trying to live it out in real time. They have the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but they're trying to figure it out. Early in the book of Acts, 
Peter and John literally heal a man. He's lame. He wants money. They've got none. So they say, well, we can't give you any money, but we'll give you what we have. What do we have? Well, we, we can heal you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walk. And they all go to the temple together. And everybody's listening to Peter and John's sermon about Jesus now. And the religious leaders get jealous because they're listening to their sermon instead of their sermon. And so they arrest Peter and John and they threaten them with all kinds of threats. And then later they end up actually uh, flogging them. I don't know if you've seen the passion of the Christ. It's brutal. Flogging is brutal. I think Mel probably takes it too far in the movie, but the whole point is it is a brutal, brutal process. And they flogged them. And the disciples gathered together and their prayer to God goes something like this. You can just see them working it out. What does it mean to be a salt? And they pray something like this. Oh, sovereign God of heaven and earth, everything that's unfolding before us is unfolding according to your plan. It's happening just like you told us that it would. And why do the nations rage against you, God? We don't understand. All we did was heal a man, in other words. And everybody's upset. What are they upset about? We healed somebody. But we shouldn't be surprised. Look what they did to you, Jesus. Why would we be surprised if we do good things that it just doesn't always go well? And then here's their powerful get them God moment. So Lord, would you consider our enemies threats? That's it? Oh, and um, give us boldness to continue to proclaim your good news. Where's the part about smiting them? Where's the part about get them, God? It's not in there. They're trying to work it out. I get the sense they don't exactly know what to pray. It's like, God, we realize that everything is going just as Jesus told us. So we go, we were ready for this moment. Are you? So the goal isn't for me to run away because salt is only useful if it's applied. But their goal also isn't to take the power that God has given them by the Holy Spirit and abuse it for selfish gain. No, it's to leverage it for the glory of God in their lives. And you know what that means for the disciples? Lots of pain and suffering. In fact, a guy named Paul who wrote Colossians 4, where we're going to be in just a moment, a guy named Paul, and you see this over and over and over again. In fact, when he comes to faith in Jesus, Jesus even tells him, you're going to suffer greatly for my name. And Paul's like, bring it. Well, there's a ton of suffering. I mean, he's thrown, he's had rocks thrown at him. They call it getting stoned, not in the way we think of getting stoned today. And he's left for dead at one point and he's beaten and he's whipped and he's thrown in prison. He's shipwrecked. He gets bitten by a snake. I mean, the guy suffers all the time for the sake of the gospel. And Paul even says at one point, man, I become all things to all people in the hopes of winning just one, just one to Jesus. The reason that Paul goes through the suffering that he goes through is because he's hoping maybe just maybe I'll win one to the Lord. Do you know why they do that? There's this little phrase early in the book of Acts that tells us. It's the phrase, you ready? Christian. I don't know if you've ever heard of the phrase before. Okay, that's a joke. Obviously, you've heard the phrase before, but do you know what it means? It means little Christ's. That's literally what it means, the translation. In fact, we think it was actually used as a mocking term to describe the early followers, that they followed after Jesus, but they didn't describe them just as followers or just as disciples. The word disciple would mean follower. They literally called them little Christs. And the early Christians went, what? I like that. That kind of describes what I am. Now, why is that important? Okay, so let's go all the way back for a moment, just for a moment, all the way to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you remember the Ten Commandments? You ever heard those before? 
Maybe you saw a movie way back in the day, you know, and you're bringing down the three tablets and one falls or something, or maybe you've seen uh, Prince of Egypt or whatever it is. You got these 10 commandments, these 10 laws of God. And then Leviticus and Numbers of Deuteronomy kind of flesh them out into even more, breaking them down into bigger things. But one of those 10 commandments is to not take the Lord's name in what? Vain, right, depending on your translation, that's probably the word that you learned growing up. If you don't know this, that's okay. I'm gonna fill it in for you. And so what I was told as a kid growing up, and probably you were too, is don't say things like, oh my God. Some of you just go, can you say that? And we actually teach my kids the same thing. My kids are told we don't say OMG. I I joked last service, I even got my mom. My mom's like, yeah, I don't care. My mom was like texting and saying OMG. She thought it meant, oh my goodness, she didn't know. And so I was like, mom, I, you know, you always taught me not to say this. You do realize what this means, right? <gasps> you know, it was like the shock on her face. Anyway, <laughs> some of you learned, right? Oh, wow. Okay, so we taught our kids. We teach our kids. Don't say that. But did you know that's not really what it means? So the name of God is the name Yahweh. I don't know if you knew that or not. And this is revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And this is a really important moment. You may not fully get it, but it's really important. The name of God has to do with his identity, what he calls himself, but then he gives his name to his people. And when he says, don't take the Lord's name in vain, it doesn't just have to do with using it all the time, although yes, that applies. It has to do with bearing or carrying the weight of the name. If you've been at Kingsway for any length of time this year, earlier this year, we talked about these qualities of God. And one of the things we talked about was glory. And the word glory literally means weight. So when God put his name, his identity, Israel on his people, they carried the name. They were to bear the weight of the name. I hope that makes sense. So the whole thing is when the Israelite people did not follow through and keep the covenants and the commands of God, read Romans 9, when God separated them and said, okay, I'm taking the gospel message to a people who will bear the name. That's you. That's me. When we become little Christs, we are little name bearers for God. So that everything we say and everything we do is to be a reflection of who he is. We are literally image bearers, imitators, name carriers, weight bearers on behalf of God to the world. Which is why it's so important that you don't just go about life not thinking through what you do, but you take every opportunity to make the most of it for God. How can I know how to be salt in my story? It's not always going to be easy. There's one moment um, Paul gets uh, beaten with rods and arrested. And then when he's in prison, he's praising God, singing glory to God in the midst of his pain. When he gets out, he lets them know that they beat him illegally because he was a Roman citizen. And they weren't allowed to do that. That was a big deal. So he used the situation to both suffer personally, but then to leverage his suffering to show grace and to lead them to God. It's hard. I I know some people here at Kingsway. I know a gentleman here at our church who got caught up in a business relationship he probably had no business being in. He would tell you that if you knew his story the big dollar signs really appealed to him. But before he knew it, things were so backwards and not what he had thought they were going to be. He found himself uh, in a really bad situation. And I'm trying to be vague because I don't have his permission to tell his story. 
But instead of maybe taking an easier way out and just filing for bankruptcy, instead he literally drove and flew around the country to each of his creditors and looked them in the face and said, if you be patient with me, I will make sure you get your money. And over the next set of time, he had to give more, work harder, sacrifice more in order to keep the name protected. Now, I'm sure my friend is protecting the name of the company, but he also knows in the back of his mind, I carry the name of my God along with my company. I'm proud of him. He learned a really hard and painful lesson, but he carried the name well. He's had to work through forgiveness. He's had to work through trust of this other business partner. It's been hard. But by God's faithfulness, he's choosing to be a salt in a world desperately looking for salt. He, I got another story. I got lots of stories, but I'll just share a few more because I don't know which one's going to be helpful for you. I have another friend who was uh, in a business relationship, and he felt completely ripped off. In fact, he, when he reached out to me here from Kingsway, he was just struggling because uh, he had a contractor who charged significantly more than they agreed to charge, and he had all these reasons why he was right and his, the other guy was wrong. And I never sat with the other guy, so I don't know the other guy was wrong. But I looked at my friend, and I said, here's the deal. Whether you're right or wrong, you probably could go to court. You probably could win. That's probably true. But Paul discourages us from going to court. Paul encourages us to try to work it out outside of court. Now, specifically between Christians, but how much more so with if somebody who isn't a Christian or if you're not sure they're a Christian, in order to protect the name, specifically the name of Jesus that we carry. My friend decided to eat the personal amount that he was losing. He wrote a check, and he can honestly stand before God. He did his best to bear the name well. I've got another friend here from Kingsway who uh, has an employee who recently passed away and just felt the weight of the fact that now that person's family is going to be just suffering without the loved one in their home. Doesn't exactly know what to do, still working through it, but decided to send an email that was dripping with scriptures. And instead of saying, well, Matthew 5 says this, and, and you know, Colossians, whatever says this, just decided to saturate this email to encourage his team and say, I, I don't know exactly how, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bear the name. I'm gonna be salt in a situation where salt is needed. I've got another friend who has been through marital stress throughout his life, and so he spends his free time often coaching and mentoring other married couples, especially young married couples, going through hard times, hoping that maybe the lessons that God has revealed to him would be a blessing. Some of those people are Christian. Some of them aren't. He's just trying to honor the name. I have another friend who, again, uh, owns a business here in town, and he, he's had an, he had to go through a downturn in the, the finances, decided to take the personal financial hit on himself first before anybody else would carry the weight of it. So he took his own financial hit before anybody else would carry any financial hit whatsoever. Now, I'm sure if you interviewed all the other people in these stories, maybe, just maybe, they'd say, well, there's more to it than that. I'm sure they would. The point is, these are good, godly men and women who are trying hard to figure out how to be a salt in a world that is desperately craving salt. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. I love popcorn. In fact, just a uh, little bit ago, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I decided that I needed a snack. It was like an afternoon snack, 
And so I, I went downstairs to the microwave in the staff offices and uh, I put one of those instant popcorns in the microwave like maybe some of you did at home. And uh, <laughs> well, I hit the popcorn button and I didn't realize that we had this ancient microwave and I walked away. I'm a little ADHD, I don't know if you knew that. And uh, so by the time I got up to my office, I had totally, totally forgot <laughs> that I did that. And so uh, I got up to my office and I was sitting there going, man, I'm hungry. Wonder what I could eat. Totally forgot I did it. And then somebody came up, one of the staff members said, hey, Matt, did you make popcorn downstairs? I was like, oh, yeah, yes. I was like, is it ready? I'm like, I'm thinking they're jealous of me that it's downstairs permeating the, the uh, office space. And it uh, turns out they weren't jealous. Um, the microwave didn't shut off at the end of the uh, time frame. So instead, what it did is uh, almost burned down the entire church. We almost didn't have a place to meet this week. And um, you're welcome. And so... Uh, they had to literally take the bag outside and it was smoking everywhere and um, we have to now get rid of the microwave. I offered to clean it, but they've seen my cleaning job. So they said, no, don't worry about it. We're just going to do a new microwave because this one's pretty ancient. And um, I'm not going to do that today. But you know what I was really sad about? Since everything was safe, I was really sad that I didn't get my popcorn that day. You ever been outside like on a hot day and you were just, you're really thirsty and you come inside and instead of really wanting water, have you ever just wanted salt? Really bad? Am I the only one? Like, I can come inside and I can just take on that bag of chips. I can come inside and just pound the popcorn. But you know, have you ever picked up um, popcorn and it didn't have any flavor on it whatsoever? You ever pick up popcorn and it has too much flavor on it? Some of you are like, I don't even think that's possible. We'll come back to that. I want to show you Colossians chapter 4 for just a minute, and then we'll come back to our popcorn analogy, all right? So just hang with me for a minute. It's going to take a minute, all right? So hang with me. All right. Here's what Paul says. How do I be salt in my story? Here's what he says. First, first two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Okay, so first of all, if you're going to be a salt and you don't know how to do it in whatever God is asking you to do, maybe none of these illustrations specifically hit you. Maybe you're dealing with an ex-spouse or maybe you're dealing with a child or a parent or I don't know. Whatever you're dealing with, Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. And the goal of devoting yourself to prayer is to pray that God would help you build this bridge that they can walk across to Jesus. And when they start to walk across that bridge, you're going to meet them. You're going to be so excited. You're not going to judge them. You're not going to condemn them. You're going to welcome them with open arms. Praise God, you're walking across this bridge. But here's the thing. Did you know that nobody actually comes to God without prayer of some sort? Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, Christians have been debating this for years, years and years and years. What exactly does this mean? And all I can tell you is I don't think we're any closer to understanding it than we were at the time that Jesus said it. What I know is this. God wants everybody to be saved and so we better start praying for God to break through some of the hardships and the barriers and the struggles and the temptations and the spiritual world that maybe we can't even see. God, break through, reveal, show. But the number one way he's going to do that is through your life. So you got to first get on your knees because part of praying and being devoted to prayer for somebody else is it prepares your heart for what might happen next. Because see, if you're salty in the bad sense, when they show up, that's not going to help, is it? They're going to get burned instead of blessed. So I want to give you a quick prayer. This is just my words. It's not magical. It's not right out of scripture. I want to give you a prayer that you could use even right now. In fact, I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to pray it back to God. You ready? Here it is. Here's the prayer. Father, how can I build a bridge today 
that others can walk across to you. You got a name of somebody? You got somebody in mind that maybe God is applying this to you for or a situation? Let's go ahead and ask God to help. Ready? Let's pray this exact prayer. Father in heaven, holy and powerful is your name. We want to be good name bearers. So God, would you show us how to build a bridge so that others can walk across to you? And God, whatever name you've put on our mind right here, right now, God, help us to be a salt to them. Help us to be a blessing to them. Help us to preserve life to them. And God, if it's hard and if it's painful and if it requires us taking up our cross and dying to self, then give us the patience and the courage and the strength that we need to be faithful to you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Does that sound hard? It should. If it, if it doesn't, then you maybe aren't thinking big enough. How do I know? Well, even Paul asks for prayer. The very next verse, verse three, says this. Paul says, and pray for us too, also, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You ever hear somebody in America say, when God shuts one door, he'll what? Open another. Or, oh man, that just looks like that's God opening a door. You ever walk through a, like a parking lot and you find a wallet there that's got, you know, $10,000. That's just God opening a door, brother. Or it's somebody else's bad day and God's giving you an opportunity. Which is it? Here's the thing. Did you know that a lot of what we've been taught about doors in America is not biblical whatsoever? I'm gonna teach you what the Bible says about true doors as it relates to God. So Paul says, pray, pray that there will be an open door. What is an open door? Well, he's in chains. So an open door doesn't mean it's always gonna be easy. An open door doesn't mean everything's gonna be fine. An open door might come with sacrifice and suffering. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse nine, Paul actually says, a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. So the open door for Paul in Corinthians is not about the easiness of it. The open door for Paul is, I think I can actually get the gospel to work here. I think there's some people who are gonna receive it and it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be painful and there's gonna be suffering, but God is gonna get the glory. So pray for me too. Pray for me to be bold. Pray for me to keep trying. Pray for me to not quit. Pray for me to keep going even if it requires personal sacrifice. And that's why Paul says in Colossians chapter four, verse five, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders? Paul is talking about people who are outside the faith. Be wise in how you interact with people outside the faith. Why? Because they need salt. They need light. They need hope. But when he says make the most of every opportunity, I want you to get this, okay? I have heard pastors talk about this and they've gotten it wrong and I'm not, not trying to challenge other pastors. I'm amazing, they're not. It's not what I'm saying, but if you don't get this right, you'll miss it. They'll talk about this in terms of day planners. 
Like, make the most of every opportunity. Don't forget to be at your kid's sports game. And don't overwork and make sure you get enough rest. And that is not what Paul's talking about. The end of the world is sooner today than it's ever been before. And I don't know if it's still a thousand years off or if it's this day, today. You need to understand something, no matter where you are, if you're watching at home. There are no signs left to be performed before Jesus returns. He can return at any day and at any hour and at any moment, and he will one of these days. It might be today. So if there's an opportunity before you to suffer a little so that the gospel could go forth, make the most of that opportunity. Don't miss it, whatever you do, but be a salt. Please be a salt. Do not just live your life as if it doesn't matter. Heaven and hell, life and death are hanging in the balance. God is looking for someone who will just bear the name. Man, that smells good. So Paul goes on in Colossians chapter four, verse six, and he says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. First, let your conversation always be full of grace. There's one thing you cannot really ever quite do wrong in your interactions. You may get this whole salt thing wrong as much as you get it right. I get it. But if you put lots of that in there, you're going to be okay. In other words, if you have to make a mistake, make a mistake there. Give too much of that. Hang on for a second. I don't want to burn down the church. And no, you can't have any, or I'll probably get in trouble with the government. I'm going to sneeze on it to keep you all away from my popcorn. Does that smell good for real? Yeah. Doesn't taste very good. You know what it's missing? This is special popcorn salt. Do you know what the difference is between this and the regular salt? It's yellow. I don't know why it's yellow. I think it's just part of the trick, but it is yellow. And I didn't put it in. I'm not joking. You could come and try this. It would be bland. Somebody texted me between the last services and said, you really want to make great popcorn? Put two of these in. There's a magic number, apparently. He used to work in a movie theater where if you put the right amount in, it tastes glorious. But I'm telling you, without it, it tastes terrible. Let's test this. I'm not going to use up that. That stuff is expensive. I'll use the one I stole from my wife. Love you, honey. (laughs) How much salt is the right amount of salt? Ooh, that was a lot, but let's shake it down there. Is that good? Is that the right amount? Let's see. Eh. A little more? Who says yes? A little more? Is that better? More! (laughs) Always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Lathered in salt. 
Anybody? Do you get the analogy? There's a magic point in here where just the right amount of salt is good, and we may all disagree about exactly how much salt is needed, but nobody thinks that's right, do they? Listen, Christian, you bear the name. Bear it well. Overwhelm your conversations and your interactions and your decisions in life with grace. Let it go before you, let it go behind you, let it be all around you. But don't leave out the salt. But just as dangerous as leaving out the salt is just dumping it on. Last service as I walked off set, I'm ADHD, I've confessed that, I forgot. And I'm carrying this stuff off the stage and you guys are going into communion, which we're gonna do here in a moment, and I picked up a piece and I put it in my mouth and I didn't forget long. (laughs) And I'm backstage trying to spit it out without making a loud noise during communion. But see, that's what happens when people interact with you and you're too salty. We're gonna pray right now. We're going into communion, and as we go into communion time, this is the easiest illustration in the world. You probably didn't need it. You could have got the point. But I wanted your brain to be saturated with the smell of popcorn. I wanted you to go throughout your day and think about how is God calling me to flavor this world with him? Listen, please don't let this just be another message. The other day I went to breakfast with somebody from our church and I was so proud of him. This person looked at the waitress and said, hey, we're about to pray for our meals or anything we could pray for. I've been a part of those conversations and sometimes like literally a waitress looked at me the other day and said, world peace. And I thought, yeah, you've been asked this by a lot of Christians before. You're like, please leave me alone. But the other person, when I was with this person, they actually said something legit. And I thought, praise God, we prayed for it. And I wondered, wonder if we could have followed up by actually saying, hey, can we help with that? See, you're gonna get creative and the spirit's going to lead you and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to do it right and the spirit's going to lead you and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to do it right but just don't do nothing the world doesn't need flavorless life so let's go into communion time spend time with our lord let him wash us in his grace and if he has something to say to us that would season us with salt and let's receive it from him listen if you are at home or you're here right now in any way shape or form you don't have jesus i want to tell you right now very boldly you can't do this on your own you don't have enough in you you don't have what it takes you're going to keep struggling and failing you need somebody to do this in you his name is jesus right now if you're online just Respond in the chat. If you're at our website, say, I need Jesus. You could text us at any time. Just text the word connect, 317-565-4911. Or you could just go to our connect hub today and say, I need Jesus. Let's pray, and we'll take communion. Father in heaven, teach us to be salt. Reveal to us your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And God, if it costs us, then give us the strength to stand up under it. And if our enemies should threaten us, then, Father, consider our enemies' threats. But give us courage to be bold. In Jesus' name, amen.